0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, I'm going to be talking about all the people that drink like every day or nearly every day and say that it really just doesn't impact them. It's just a cool way to relax and, you know, really no downside at all. Like, yeah, right. So we'll talk about that today. And before we do, please do subscribe. My most recent out of my 90 subscriber episodes is Should Everyone Go to Therapy? And despite what my job is, I do not think so, but you will listen and learn and, uh, Ben, Benefit greatly from knowing whether you fit into one of my categories of people that should, which isn't just everybody, again. So, and certainly not every child. And I talk about that too. And t- children, adults, couples, whatever. So, anyway, um, does drinking just not really impact you? Are you as healthy as you could be despite having one or two drinks every night and, of course, more on the weekends? No, like stop. Get out of like, get out of that delusion. Because like seriously, have you ever tried to stop drinking for a month and felt like 10,000 zillion times better? But then somebody had like a party or like there was an event or like whatever and uh, you just started again? I mean, every single person that stops drinking feels better. Why? Alcohol is a depressant, particularly after about your 30s, you know, you're fucking depressed enough like let's be real you know like life is tough you got children you got to keep a game face on for them you're probably having some level of marital issues if you're listening to my podcast you probably grew up in a dysfunctional home if you're listening to my podcast shit is hard do you really need to make shit harder for yourself it is literally a depressant to your system as well as calories for no reason, and you feel hungover in the morning. I don't care. I don't care what you say. That one drink doesn't make you feel hungover. Try not. Try not drinking for one to two weeks, and why don't you see how much clearer you feel? Because literally everybody that tries this says that they do. Now, even if you don't give a shit about, like, your health or your job or your functioning at your job or your parenting or being, like, overweight because alcohol can lead to that or any of those things... What do you care about if you're listening to the Dr. Psych Mom show? I mean, you do care about your parenting. So, I mean, that's a, that's a bigger fish to fry. Um, but everybody who's listening cares about their relationship. And your relationship really uh, does not benefit. And, in fact, is massively, frequently, very significantly hurt by drinking especially the kind of drinking that I'm talking about where it's not like every so often we drink, where it's nightly drinking with more on the weekends. And don't get on your high horse if it's just nightly drinking without more on the weekends. It's still nightly drinking. So it's relevant to you. So what happens to couples? Well, it depends whether um, they are more conflict avoidant and not in a good way, not like just happy, but like uh, whether they sweep conflict under the rug or whether they are um, fighters, you know? Uh, and they argue a lot. If they argue a lot, well, let's just take one little guess about when they come in couples counseling, people be like, oh, I had a terrible fight on Friday. And I just don't want to be like total, like, you know, bitch. So I'm not like, oh, because y'all drank? Like, sometimes I will. If we know that that's like <laughs> like an issue, I'll be like, oh, did you drink? They'll be like, yeah. Yeah invariably, they'll say, yeah, you know, if, if they drink, then the drinking makes the fight worse, you know, like, and then couples that haven't even thought about this. It's like they got to come in a few times and like they had like pretty good week or an all right week or something. And then this is my favorite line. They'll be like, yeah, it was because we drank. But you know what? The issues were there anyway you know what, Like, let me tell you, the issues are going to be there anyway. Like, you know, th- there is never a couple that goes to couples counseling. They're like, oh my God, we resolved every single issue. Not only all the past ones, but all the future ones. We are just like literally never going to have an issue anymore. That I check back in five years and they're like, yep, damn straight. Didn't have a single issue. Of course you're going to have issues. You're two people, right? That have individual lives and preferences and wants and desires and stressors and um, backgrounds and you're going to have issues. So it it's like, it counts that you drink. Your drinking likely made that fight happen when it wasn't going to happen. And it isn't bad. Better. Nobody's ever like, man. We feel so, so much better after we had that drunken fight. We were both on our A game. We were super logical. We were very empathic. We really finally heard each other for the first time. No way. People end up saying crazy shit, like you know. And then he threatened to leave. And then I threatened to leave. And then we thought that we heard the kids wake up. But then we convinced ourselves we didn't, because that would be too shame inducing. And then you know, I took his phone. Then he took my phone. And then I. Told him that, you know, he was an asshole. He told me I was an asshole. Like, what? Y'all are paying for couples counseling. Come and have the damn session. You know, when you're both sober, I would never do a couples counseling session when people were drunk because they can't think straight. So how can you tell yourself that any fight that you have when you're drinking is anything except making the relationship a thousand times worse you're both ashamed afterwards then you're hungover the next day likelier to be irritable and get into another fight even if you're not totally hungover because you know you only had only in quotes had one or two drinks you're still fuzzy and your irritability is going to be up and your bandwidth is going to be down i'm telling you like 30 percent of marital issues i bet could be solved by just the people stopping drinking or stopping drinking except when they go on there every other week date night or something they have two glasses of wine right i if women should not drink basically in the second half of their cycle if they, if they have marital conflict or possibly at all but you know definitely not because it makes you more depressed if you are drinking the day before your period holy shit you are going to be uh, thousand times worse of a mood. And I give you a hundred percent that you're going to have a fight with your husband. And if a guy has any anger problems and he's drinking, no, no, it doesn't help you relax. It makes you more reactive. It makes you quicker, trigger, Unless you drink to the point that you pass out. And then what kind of life are you living? And obviously, what kind of example are you setting to your children? The parenting is another issue. There's a lot of people who barely ever interact with their kids fully sober. Because by the time the kids come home from school and aftercare and all that, it's basically an hour or two until you have your nightly glass of wine. If that, if that. So then you're not really fully present. You don't fully know what's going on. Now, some people will say, you know, but I can't relax without the alcohol. Well, <laughs> does that sound good? Does that sound good? Does that sound like something to ignore? Not to me. You know, that sounds like a real, like, like a substance use problem waiting to happen. And I will bet anything that drinking, quote, to relax was normalized in your family of origin, but that you deeply wish that your parents hadn't been half drunk all the time you know, if you've allowed yourself to think about it at all. So when you say to yourself, I cannot relax without alcohol, that is a wonderful reason to get into therapy and figure out alternate coping strategies. It would honestly even be better to be on something like, you know, uh, antidepressant where you have like the same kind of dose every day and it's not a Depressant, because alcohol is a depressant so it's short-term anxiety reduction long-term the anxiety and depression gets worse so it would be better if you're really somebody that needs some sort of biological help with anxiety you know probably you would talk to a provider certainly but an antidepressant would be smarter in most cases all cases, I'd say, you know, then nightly dependent drinking, dependent because you cannot regulate your mood without it. And you're also, of course, teaching your children that um, alcohol is a mood regulator. And that is a terrible lesson. And you have no idea the genetic predisposition of your children toward uh, addiction. And so it is always better for them to see drinking as something mommy and daddy do sometimes because they're grown-ups. Then literally, as soon as we walk in the door, it is extremely tense until daddy makes a drink. Then when he sits down after about a half an hour, I can come play with him. And then an hour after that, I really don't uh, try to know anything about where daddy is because he can be volatile and that is the life of a lot of kids and if you're an adult child of an alcoholic you know that. So uh, when a parent uses substances it is never the same all the time and if it is it's not a good same all the time. So even the people that are kind of quiet when they're drinking they're not fully there and their kids know that. So it's really something to think about, you know, and the, the more uncomfortable or offended you get by the idea that your nightly drink or two could be bad, the more you should interrogate it. Because if, if you if there was a pill that you if you had to take Valium every day you would probably say man I gotta get in control of my life something's wrong something is wrong with how I'm coping something is wrong with the setup of my life something is making me so um, so anxious that I have to take this pharmaceutical in order to calm down this is not a sustainable situation but just because like wine sounds you know uh, gourmet and it's not a pharmaceutical doesn't mean it's not a pharmaceutical. <laughs> (laughs) You know, I mean, it's the same kind of thing. So you're taking a substance to make you feel different and to be less present in the world that you're in. This sounds to me like a wonderful reason to go to therapy to figure out how to fully be present. And it's really no different when um, now that marijuana has been legalized, if you have to smoke every day you know, or, or anything else where you feel like you have to. At the very least, of course, I know there's medical marijuana, certainly helps some people with anxiety, et cetera. At the very least, be talking to a doctor, you know, because I have seen the case where people start having an edible or something regularly for anxiety and it goes up and up and up and, you know, that's not good. That's really not good. And the, the, the benefit of pharmaceuticals, which, uh, you know, like uh, psychotropics, like, like SSRIs, although they certainly have many downsides, including side effects. The benefit is that, like, your doctor doesn't say, hey, you know what, just, like, take as many as you need. Like, if you're having a bad day, just have, like, seven Zoloft, you know capsules. That's cool. But people tend to do that more with things like edibles or drinks or anything like that. So you're really kind of not in control. And then for many people, they wake up in a year and they're like, oh my God, how did I get to be somebody who has uh, basically three drinks a night every night? How did that happen? Just last year, I remember I had dry January or whatever. Well, shit, it's next January. And I'm somebody who has three glasses of, of wine a night to relax. And that's kind of not what I want to show my kids. I am really, I have a temper after a certain point. I am fuzzy. I kind of don't remember what I do really well after seven. I'm a little anxious to answer work emails if they come in. I'm a little anxious to answer texts. I kind of, you know, I, I don't feel like myself. And I pass out quickly at night, don't get to hang out with my spouse, fall asleep in my kid's bed, whatever the case may be, because I'm not fully there. And of course, goes without saying that exercise and other health initiatives generally, um, you know, don't happen as much when somebody is drinking a lot or drinking um, regularly, constantly, because again, you wake up and you're fuzzy. And that's a real thing and a real effect of drinking. So anyway, if this spoke to you, it would be definitely something to bring up with a spouse, you know, like, do you think that I drink too much? And they may say something that surprises you. Or a lot of times, honestly, they'll say, well, yeah, but you know, I still want to drink. Well, what does that mean? I mean, that's kind of more common than you would think. And um, what it means is, hell yeah, you do. But I uh, self-regulate with alcohol and I certainly do not want to examine my own behavior. So allowing you to be basically kind of, you know, drunk every night is allowing me to do the same and possibly even I drink a little less than you. So it makes me feel better about myself. Of course, they're not articulating any of this. I'm just describing how it goes. And this is why couples frequently get stressed when one stops drinking. But that doesn't mean <laughs> couples also get stressed when one person stops being depressed. You know, this doesn't mean that you should stop working on yourself because it stresses the relationship. It means that you need to interrogate the relationship more because any dynamic change is going to stress it. And g- long term, it will be a net positive for either person to improve in, in any mental or physical health domain. But the other person needs some catch up time because frequently one person's change makes the other person look at themselves and they do not love what they see and maybe then they realize they drink too much or in the case of depression they realize that they're pretty depressed and the other guy was just you know like if your husband's depressed and he's running around being angry and yelling then you could be kind of quietly depressed as a woman and feel like you're all right you know at least you don't yell at the kids but if you're somebody who's really uncomfortable thinking that you're depressed If he treats his depression and then he's kind of like a laid-back, more laid-back guy, you look at yourself, you're like, well, shit, now I'm the not-fun parent because I'm depressed, but I kind of don't want to think that I'm depressed. And it's like this whole thing. You, as I frequently recommend movies and stuff, the movie When a Man Loves a Woman is a great movie about how one person stopping drinking can really stress a relationship. And it's the same. You could generalize from that to how one person engaging in any healthier behavior can really stress the relationship too. So hopefully this was uh, useful. Uh, substance use issues are very prevalent and undiagnosed ones, the ones that are below the clinical level for like a, you know, an abuse disorder or a dependence disorder are obviously more frequent. And if you are in therapy or in uh, couples counseling, you should definitely bring up how much you guys use substances because frequently it just overlaps with the huge fights or the huge feelings of disconnect. And people, People don't want to interrogate the substance use, so then they they let it go and they kind of almost tacitly agree with one another not to bring up all the drinking and stuff because they don't want to be forced to change it. But the couples that do bring it up and work on it, it, it's super admirable and they are like in a thousand times a better place than couples who shove it under the rug. And I've seen this over and over in my practice. All right. I hope you guys have a great day. Please do subscribe and follow me on all social media, even TikTok. I'll talk to you all soon.